reaching Israel and the world and the world. Shalom Yedidim. Yedidim is the Hebrew word for beloved. Welcome today to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Cynthia Marjorie, my love, we're continuing our study today in the book of 1 Samuel. We're looking at the life of Hannah. And Hannah had a very difficult time that she was walking through because she wanted so desperately to conceive and was unable to do so until eventually we know the end of the story, the Lord opened her womb. But what I love about Hannah is that when she wasn't able to conceive, she didn't blame it on the devil. She didn't just think that she was a victim of circumstance. She related to the Lord even in that. She looked at the Lord as the one who had closed her womb, and she was looking to the Lord as the one that could open her womb. And I think the church needs to get a bigger view of God so that we're not just receiving from the Lord the good things that happen in our life, but understanding that the Lord is sometimes also using difficulties in our life for His own purposes. Right. You know, I love that word that you use, victim. In today's world, we hear so much, oh, you know, I'm a victim of this person's actions. I'm a victim of this. I'm a, a victim. And so many times we can feel that way with God, you know, God, why are you doing that? But Hannah, had a purified heart mm -hmm. before God. And she didn't see herself as a victim, but as a, a, a vessel to be molded by God through good and through bad. So today we want that for ourselves. Shalom uvrachah, beloved ones. Peace and blessings to you. I'm continuing today in the book of 1 Samuel, a series that I've been calling Hannah's Song or Hannah's Song. Now listen, I've already preached many episodes in this series, so I can't take the time today to go back and review everything. You can get season one in its com uh, completeness. I am now in season two. This is the second message in season two. Just a one minute overview here. The book of 1 Samuel in the section of scripture that we are in takes place in the context where Hannah or Hannah had been unable to conceive. She went to the temple, started praying to the Lord there. Eli the priest saw her praying. At first he thought she was drunk, but when he realized she was grieving, he agreed with her in prayer that God would open her womb. Months later, a short time later, Hannah is back at the temple. God had opened her womb and she had given birth to the boy Samuel, who became one of Israel's greatest prophets. And so as we pick up today, we come to the place in Jewish history where Hannah had brought her boy Samuel to the house of the Lord. He had just got done being weaned. She presented him to the priest there, Eli, and together they dedicated Samuel to the Lord to live for him for the rest of his life. And I shared last week that this is where we get the tradition in the Christian church of infant dedication, right out of the book of 1 Samuel. And right after Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord, she burst forth into a prayer or a song that begins in chapter 2. Now, as I indicated, I've been here for many weeks. So out of respect to those of you that have been with me here each week for this, I'm not going to go back and review everything, but I'm going to pick up right where I left off last week. Last week, I left off 
In verse number uh, six, when I said the Lord kills and makes alive, he brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low and he also exalts. And I'm talking about the fact that we need to expand our understanding of the ways of God to include a paradigm by which we can perceive circumstances in our life, whether good or bad, as relating to the Lord. In other words, many of us have a paradigm where we think that the good things in our life are from the Lord and the bad things in our life are from the devil and never the two meet. But that's not the way Hannah saw it. She said, the Lord kills and makes alive. Notice that she's holding the Lord responsible for the good things and the bad things. She continues, he brings down to Sheol a painful, painful reality and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. Notice that Hannah's perception is that whether someone goes up or down, it's all coming from the Lord. Whether someone is poor or rich, she said, the Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. Now, we have to ask ourselves the question, was Hannah deluded? Did she, in the time that the Old Testament was written, not understand who God really was? Did she not have the revelation and enlightenment that we have? Because most of us, I'm speaking of the people of God in general today, they have a concept once again that when something good happens, it's from God. And when something bad happens, it's from the devil. And once again, that's the reality that they perceive their life through. But that was not the reality that Hannah perceived. She said, listen, if someone is struggling in life, that's from the Lord. If someone is exalting in life, that's from the Lord. So we have to ask ourselves the question, are we right in thinking that when something bad happens, it's necessarily the devil's doing and has nothing to do with the, God, with the Lord's doing? Or do we rather, as the Hebrew writers most often did, ask the Lord whether something is happening in our life that's good or bad, do we rather say, God, what's going on? Because everything that happens to me in life, I need to filter through your eyes and ask you, what are you doing in this? What are you saying in this? How do you want me to respond to this? Because you are God and there is no other. Your word says in Deuteronomy 4.39 that you're God in heaven above and on the earth below. And of course, Isaiah said, the Lord causes well-being and creates calamity. And I am speaking today as a Jewish believer in Yeshua Messiah that we need to get the mind of God by understanding the way that the writers of the Hebrew Bible understood God. They understood him, beloved, in more full terms and in a greater reality that many of us in the New Testament church do. And so in my life, if there's something that's hurting me or something that's bad that's happening, I don't just blame it all on the devil. Because to me, God is God of everything. Yes, it might be the devil, but why is God allowing it? What purpose may God be having in this? When the devil attacked Job, 
God allowed him to attack Job. And God had a purpose in it. Because after Job was attacked from the devil, Job said, you know what, God, after God had brought him through that terribly painful ordeal, Job came to the other end and he said, Lord, I knew about you before. I superficially knew about you. But Lord, now that I've had a struggle and prayer and anguish to try to understand what was going on with me when I was struggling so terribly after I had to seek your face through all this and all the confusion I was in. And now you finally brought me through it. And he said, now, Lord, I know you. He said, Lord, before I went through this thing, I would heard about you. I believed in you. But now I know you. So God had a purpose in his allowing Job to be attacked in his finances, in his health, in his family it was horrendous. And I believe that you and I need to be called back to a biblical perspective to stop blaming everything bad that's happening in our life on the devil. When Jesus stood before Pilate and he was completely calm and rooted and Pilate was like scared. He said, what's the matter with you to Jesus? Don't you realize I have the power to crucify you? I mean, I believe Pilate was shaken when Yeshua stood before him, rooted and grounded in the God of all being, without a fear in his bones. And Pilate was shaken to see, how can this man stand before me with such security? So again, Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? Aren't you going to say anything? Jesus said, you would have no power over me unless it had been granted to you from above. Did you get it? Did you get it? Jesus said, you, Pilate was going to give the order for Jesus to be crucified. How did, did, did Jesus say, oh, it's the devil? I mean, it was the devil that entered into Judas Iscariot, right? We know that the devil literally entered in to Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus but did Jesus blame his crucifixion on the devil? No, Jesus said, you would have no power over me unless it had been granted to you from above. So yes, Jesus understood that the devil was at work, but he didn't see the devil as Lord and reigning. Jesus saw the devil having an opportunity only to operate under the real Father God's authority. And you and I, beloved, need to start viewing our life and perceiving our circumstances in the same way. Yes, the devil does attack sometimes. But we need to stop just saying, oh, God's good and he would never allow the devil to attack me or, you know, this can't have anything to do with his purpose. No, we need to say, Lord, why did this happen? Why did you allow it to happen? What, are, I, I, what do I need to learn from this? Help me to respond to this the right way. Maybe the Lord allows something bad to happen to us allows the devil to do something in our life that causes pain because he wants to strengthen us. How did Jesus get strengthened? By battling the devil in the wilderness for 40 days. But God in his mercy made a way in. Only one way. We said that that way is Jesus. Most of us have not heard the real inside of the tabernacle. We have only read it in the book of Exodus, but we were actually given the inside 
of how the tabernacle was and what it really stood for was taking us to the Lord Jesus Christ. I just feel really thankful that uh, we were able to sow into so many pastors' lives. That there were pastors here that I think were really influenced for Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And I think as a result of our being here that there will be a transformation that will, will take place. I don't think people will be able to go back to where they were. I'm very glad that I met Rabbi today because, you know, as he was teaching, and he said, close your eyes. Some of you will hear, some will see visions. And even before I could close my eyes, I heard the voice speaking to me saying, have peace. I needed an encounter. I just felt like, like everything had, you know, fizzled out. Wow. You know what he was explaining is a scientific encounter. That scientific encounter, I needed it today because after that, I just feel everything has been taken away, you know? The burdens I was carrying, they're no longer there. As we grow closer to our Savior's return, there are still millions who have not experienced Him, from Africa to Israel and every corner of the earth. But Rabbi Schneider, through all forms of media and on-the-ground crusades, is reaching the world with inspirational teaching from a Jewish perspective, equipping the church, evangelizing the lost, and pouring into the lives of pastors and leaders around the globe. This could not happen without you, because you are an integral part in sending Him. Is God calling you to help Rabbi proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth? Give at DiscoveringTheJewishJesus.com or call 800-777-7835. In the Hebrew Bible, we find a high view of the sovereignty of God, not like the weak view that so many in the church have today with a theology that basically divorces God from anything bad that ever happens in the world. I've seen, for example, when, when calamities strike the earth, especially sometimes when they happen in, in, in cities in the world that are just filled with sexual perversion and vanity and all the things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God and, uh, uh, you know, uh, something happens, a natural disaster or whatever. God forbid that a Christian prophet should ever say, I believe this is a judgment of God. If, when they do that, I've seen it happen. The whole church jumps on them. The world jumps on them. Did you see what this narrow-minded, hateful Christian said? He said that that pain and suffering that came upon the people in that city was a judgment from God. And so Christians are afraid to open their mouths that God would ever judge something because it's not politically correct to do so. But beloved, if we're going to conform our mind to the word of God, we have to recognize God does bring judgment. Over and over again, we see him bringing judgment, whether it be on Sodom and Gomorrah, whether it be on the whole world when God drowned the world in the times of Noah, whether it be when God opened up the ground and swallowed Korah and those that were in rebellion against God's leadership, whether it was when the serpents bit the children of Israel in the wilderness and thousands died whether it was when Israel went to war, when they weren't living in alignment with Hashem's will, and as a result, God allowed them to be put to death. Beloved, we have to recognize that God is good, and in Him there's no darkness at all. But because He's good does not automatically equate to that He would never cause something or allow something bad to happen. Because God can oftentimes bring about a higher good through bringing us into a painful time. 
I've seen many people in life that they weren't living for God. They might have been nominal believers at best. And then all of a sudden, a tragedy happened in their life. And as a result of the tragedy, whether it be a physical tragedy, whether it be the loss of a job, maybe whatever it might be, I've seen them as a result of going through the tragedy. They were broken in their own strength and gave their life to the Lord at that point. And that tragedy became the link that brought them into a relationship with Father God. The same thing is true, beloved, for you and I. Remember when Jacob, the, the, the father of Israel, the father of Israel, I say, because it's his 12 sons, right, that became the 12 tribes of Israel. We read the story of Yaakov, which is Jacob's Hebrew name, wrestling with the angel one night. And, and Jacob called this angel the angel of God because at the end he said, you know, I, I wrestled with God. The angel said to, to, to Yaakov, you've, you've wrestled with God and man and you've overcome. So in this episode, people in the Jewish community understand it differently, but I believe that the angel was God himself and in, in a pre-incarnate form. Uh, that means that he, he, he manifested himself in the physical universe to wrestle with Jacob. And the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with him all night. And at the end of Jacob, wrestling with God all night, God dislocated him in one of his joints. And for the rest of, of Jacob's life, it says he walked with a limp because God had dislocated him in one of his joints there. And to me, what that means is, is that when Jacob wrestled with God and God broke that part of his body so that Jacob walked with the limp for the rest of his life, what that says to me was, in order for Jacob to become the father of the 12 tribes of Israel and to have his name changed to Israel, because the Lord changed Jacob's name in that incident to Israel, in order for Jacob now to fulfill that calling, to be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, he had to walk with a limp for the rest of his life because the limp uh, was a symbolic representation of the fact that he was walking in weakness and having to depend on Hashem, on the God of Israel. You see, he had a physical weakness in his body, and in that physical weakness in his body, it was a reminder that he always needed to cling to God to be strong. And so God brought that dislocation of his hip. Why? Because God was changing him to make him dependent upon him and to become the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. So let's move away from the shallow theology that we often are seeing in our, in our, in our church, in our culture that says that God can never be responsible for anything bad. And let's mature, beloved, and recognize that there's only one God that he's not up in heaven with his hands tied, you know, fidgety, anxious about what's going on down here on earth. No, he's God on earth, just like he is in heaven. Yeshua said that not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the Father. So let's begin to process our life and everything that's going on around us not by saying it's the devil, it's the devil, I rebuke you, devil, I rebuke you. No, let's say, God, what's going on here? Help me to understand what's going on here from your perspective. Help me to respond to it how you want me to. If it involves taking authority over the devil and putting him under your feet, by all means, take authority in the spirit and the word and do that. But let's not 
try to perceive what's going on apart from the lens of God, but let's understand everything through the lens of God and understand that ultimately our God is sovereign. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this. He is Adon Olam, the master of the world. And when we read the writings of the Hebrew prophets and the writers of the, of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, we see that this is how they understood God and his operation in the world. And we as a church need to come back to this biblical reality, this biblical paradigm, and stay focused on seeing our life only through the lens of God rather than having this dual concept of things as if the devil's over here, God's over here, the two are fighting each other, and somehow God's got a little bit of an edge and he's going to win in the end, but maybe not in this battle. No, God is the Lord in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Let's continue on. In verse number eight, he says, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. So this is really touching to me because when I think about who I am and the brokenness that God saved me out of, and even my own stature, I'm only five, five and a half in terms of my height, and yet how the Lord has rescued me He's delivered me from brokenness, saved me out of mental illness. He's lifted me up, stabilized my life, blessed me, given me a beautiful wife, great children, a beautiful everything. God had mercy on me. This is what she's saying. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. You know, Yeshua said, everyone that humbles themselves will be exalted. What does it mean to humble yourself? It means to become dependent on the Lord, to not rely on our own talents, to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought, to live with the spirit of contriteness and humility before the Lord, to recognize that without Him, we're going to be blown away. We're going to be chaff in the wind that the devil is going to destroy. To walk in humility, beloved, is to cling to God, to recognize that without Him, that we are completely vulnerable and alone. And in coming to this place of contrition and dependency, to come to this place of having a broken heart and clinging to God, the result of that is that He will lift you up and exalt you and honor you. And this is what Hannah or Hannah is saying here. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles. I want you to know today, as you and I continue to truly humble ourselves under the spirit of Hashem, there's a guarantee in the spirit realm that we will be exalted. I want to encourage you today, keep pressing forward in your faith. You're going to have to let go of the world. You're going to have to break free from it. But as you focus on Yeshua, He is going to lift you up. There's a portion in God's Word that I've really been putting myself under, asking the Lord to shepherd me into perfect obedience. It's the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus in Matthew 19. It's also repeated in Mark and Luke. And the rich young ruler says to Jesus, good teacher, 
Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God's good. And then the rich young ruler said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeshua said, keep all the commandments. The rich young ruler said, I've done all the commandments from my youth. He was a moral man. Then Yeshua said to him, now go and sell everything you have and you will inherit the kingdom of God. And the Bible says the rich young ruler went away sad because he wasn't able to surrender his possessions to the Lord. And the disciples were really like, wow, who can inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Beloved, we don't have to earn our salvation, but Jesus is calling for us to surrender. Will you surrender your finances to him? Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Or to give by credit card, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have honored God with our finances while living, but have we considered how we can honor the Lord with our finances when we pass on? For more information, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord gave instructions to Moses and Aaron to speak this blessing over his people. And the Lord said, when you speak these words over my people, I will place my name on them and bless them. Receive the impartation of the Lord's blessings. Yahweh, 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 the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up by his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Do you find it hard to trust God while you're going through difficult times? Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, receive the encouragement you need to begin to trust in the Lord and His faithfulness. 